You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Chouquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million-dollar seller. All right. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Chouquette. Today, we have Elizabeth on the show. She is the founder of Baloo Living. Uh, Elizabeth, what's up? How are you doing today? Hey, Nick. I'm super good. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. And where are you located? It looks like a great, great place you have back there. Is that your office? Uh, I'm in San Antonio. I've, I've got two homes right now. One's here in San Antonio. So this is like my living room. And then I have another one in Tulum in Mexico. So I just got back to Texas um, on, on Sunday night. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Nice. Nice. I'm really digging the, the ceilings there. It's got, it's like a wood floor, but it's on your ceiling. I don't know if I've seen that before. Yeah, no, this is a, like an old, old home, you know, and I was, they were like, you know, it's an old home. Are you ready for that? And I said, yes. So it's got some character. Nice. Looks beautiful. Yeah. I like it. All right. So, um, yeah, you know, for, uh, for some of the people that are listening that that don't really know, uh, know you very well, why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit and and give us a background? Sure. Um, so I'm originally here from Texas. I spent the last, um, I'd say like 13, 14 years of my adult life living in New York. Um, my background has always been in marketing. I went to university of Texas in Austin, got a marketing degree, tried out a bunch of different careers, jobs, et cetera. And in 2017, I took a sabbatical to Bali, which was where my e-commerce journey began. Um, I took an online course there, launched an Amazon brand and have been really fortunate to be able to grow that brand off of Amazon. So now we have a true direct-to-consumer bedding uh, home goods company. Nice. That's awesome. So, um, so why, why Bali? Bali, I probably said yeah. that. <laughs> Bali, it's such a special place. So um, I knew this was going to be the like, you know, big shot chance trip of a lifetime. So I really gave it a lot of thought about where I would go. And um, there is something about Bali that kept popping up everywhere I would kind of go. I kept hearing about it. Um, there's, of course, the book Eat, Pray, Love. There's a TED Talk I'd seen about how Bali can really inspire creativity. And I was looking for creativity. I was looking for sort of like a reset and a a new creative approach to living. Um, Really wanted to recreate myself. So, So that's how I ended up choosing Bali. And I'd say second to that is there's a great cost of living there and there's a nice community of digital nomads. So kind of those three things put together. Awesome. Sounds like there's a a good story behind that inspiration for change. Um, Bali has always been of interest to me as a surfer. I think my first introduction to it was like, I think I want to say the endless summer, the second movie, I think, I don't know if it was in the first one. Um, but yeah, I find a lot of, of creative juices come to me when I visit, when I take these surf trips that end up in these places where, you know, there's not a whole lot else going on. And then you're really just kind of like in nature and you get to connect with the people and, and unplug a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. that's so cool that you like, you put all that effort into it, you planned it out and like you started your company there. I mean, and that's the company you're running now, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, Like I didn't go with the intention of starting a business. I just knew I needed to make a change. And I think you just keep going one foot in front of the other. If you're following your heart or your intuition or whatever that guidance is telling you, Um, follow the path or the breadcrumbs. And that's all I did. And I just kept saying, where is this going to take me? Where is this taking me? And I just kept saying yes and accepting risk and not knowing what was going to be next and kind of going into the fear of the unknown, I guess. Um, Cause I came from such a corporate traditional background that, you know, starting an e-commerce business to me felt like um, kind of random, you know, I'd only, I'd always kind of sold stuff on eBay, like hawked stuff here and there to make extra cash. Okay. If it was fun, you know easy and convenient, but starting an Amazon business to me was like, way outside of my like preconceived notion of sort of what was like a career path. <laughs> so <laughs> what did your uh, at, like work, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. And what did your parents think uh, of this journey? What did your friends think? You know, you, you go to this faraway place and yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm going to start an e-commerce company. <laughs> um, I'd say that my mom has been a solid supporter of me this entire time. She doesn't need to understand it, but she knew where my heart was coming from and what was leading me. I'd say like after the initial sabbatical, when I said, Oh, I'm sticking around longer and I'm doing this thing that a lot of friends and family were really questioning me. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Where are you going? When are you coming back? Um, So there was a lot of doubt. uh, And I had my own doubt, of course, because I also didn't know what I was doing. Um, But even my dad, you know, who was like, what is this thing you're doing? Um, was the one that gave me my initial seed money to buy my first round of inventory. So it was really his sort of faith in me, not so much understanding what I was doing, but wanting to support me that made it all possible. Nice, man. That's such a great story. That's super cool. Your parents to be supportive of of all that. And, uh, and just, uh, you know, to see what you've done with it is just so great. I'm sure they feel so proud and just happy. They are so proud. My mom does customer service for us now. So she's in the fold. (laughs) Nice. Um, And my dad, dad definitely loves the story. Very cool. So like, did you, did you get started on Amazon right away? Let's dig into that e-commerce journey a little bit. Like what did that look like getting your business started and, and how did you do that? Yeah. So I just took a course on starting an Amazon private label. Um, All this information, as we all know, is readily available, but I knew for myself, if I tried to do like a YouTube route, I would never come out of the hole. So I wanted a beginning, middle and end of sort of digesting the information. And I used Jungle Scout just to do search, search volume, uh, keyword volume searches um, back in on Amazon and discovered the category of weighted blankets at the perfect time. It was 2017 was right when that niche was starting to take off. Um, It's become a really high growth niche over the past few years. I think there've been a few like Amazon course case studies on weighted blankets and there's like hundreds of listings for them now on Amazon. Um, But my timing, you know, was just really fortunate. And I saw an opportunity as well for a product that that wasn't really being offered yet um, because there were a lot of synthetics, a lot of plastic. And I wanted to do something that was really thoughtful, eco-conscious and mindful for people like me who were really into self-care and willing to spend a little more for something that's a little higher quality. 
Um, so as soon as I saw, you know, after spending the days and hours just pouring over the Excel data, you see that diamond in the rough and you just know because you've spent the time. So when you know, you know. And I was so excited. I think I bought it like a Monday or something. I bought a ticket to China on Wednesday to go to this factory that I found on Alibaba. And they were like, well, why don't we meet you next week? We're going to be at a trade show. And I was like, oh, cool. What trade show? They're like Canton Fair. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'll meet you there. So I went to Canton. I met them there and ended up placing an initial order um, right away, which was a pretty small order, I think. 200, 400 units. Okay. But for me, it was $20,000, which was obviously like a huge amount of money to raise. And um, the philosophy uh, or organizing principle, I'd say sort of around the approach to the course that I took was to find something that's a little bit out of reach price point wise. So it's going to take a higher initial investment, but it's going to sort of give you some moat or a little bit of time to protect you against competitors from entering so easily. It's not like the garlic press. It's a higher price item. Um, And also to look for a product that people are going to be investing the time in. So they're not just searching for the top listing on Amazon. They might go to page two, page three, looking for something visually that catches their eye. So I think that's still a great thing to keep in mind for anyone considering launching a product on Amazon. Yeah. You know, I think you touched on, there's a couple important things that stick out to me with the way that you did it. Um, and it's really cool. Cause you kind of like, you took this big risk, you went to this country and you know started this business, but you were also, it sounds like you didn't just wing it. Like you were calculated and wow. you did research and you've looked for that diamond in the rough and you didn't just go on Alibaba and, and trade a couple messages. Like you went to this factory and, and met with these people at a, at a fair, like you went the extra mile and, you know, obviously it pays off when you do that. Um, for a lot of reasons, a lot of us, you know, we try to take shortcuts and do things the quick way. And, um, you know, sometimes that works out, but more often than not, it it doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just like super cool to see you early in your entrepreneurial journey. Like you balanced all that so well with, you know, doing this great, big, cool thing, going to this country and starting your new business, but also being uh, very calculated with your research, um, and who you chose to go with. And, um, in addition to what you mentioned, uh, being important things to look for, I think it's also important to really highlight that, you know, you did the research, you met with these people, um, and, and that's the type of stuff that puts you ahead of all the other people, you know, flocking to the Amazon world, um, because you did what most people wouldn't do. Um, and, and obviously it's, it's paid off. So, so where did the inspiration, it sounds like it was more than just a diamond in the rough. It was also kind of like a passion of yours to bring something to market, uh, that could really, you know, have an impact on people's lives. Where, where did that passion come from? That came from when I first tried the weighted blanket. So I came back from Canton with a sample and didn't have it's such a quick trip. I didn't even have a chance to try one until I came back to Bali. And I can remember the first time I put it on, how amazing it felt and this sort of surprised, but very moving feeling of relaxation that came over me. And there was something about just how 
profound it was as an experience for me that I connected to the experience that I'd been having on my trip of traveling. So it represented to me sort of where I was in my life through a product. And it was like, you know, I'd I'd been away disconnecting, spending time in nature, like spending time with incredible heart-based people, like really having life-changing experiences. And putting this weighted blanket on just sort of felt like representative of that in a small experience. And so it became something that I wanted to share with people as a way to share like this amazing thing that I got to do, but in a much more like accessible way. So most people can't take off and go to Southeast Asia or anywhere for any amount of time and have that experience I was getting to have. But you can take 20 minutes for yourself, connect your mind and body with the deep pressure touch therapy of a weighted blanket, and maybe just calm yourself down, feel more grounded, calm, cool, collected. Um, So for me, it wasn't only about sleep. It was really about this just mind-body connection experience that weighted blankets can deliver. Um, And so so many of us are in overdrive, our nervous systems and fight or flight, and we have to perform and deliver, and there's so much going on around us. Um, so, so it's really, really difficult to do that, to disconnect. And, you know, there's other, there's a lot more I could say about that too, because I think there's this whole self-care industry that's really, you know, become a massive industry and it starts to feel like another thing that you have to do, you have to, you know, dry brush, you have to (laughs) oil cool. Like what are all the things that you have to do to like do good self-care? And it just becomes like even more of a burden. So this is kind of something that it's so basic and so simple, but so like elegant that I loved it. So that's the brand for me. I felt like it didn't come through me. It didn't come from my head. It came from sort of just wanting to express this bigger experience that I'd been having and share it with other people. Right on. Yeah, that's great. Definitely a lot of passion uh, behind the product. It sounds like, and I'm sure that's what keeps you, you know, staying above the competition. I know you mentioned you saw you know, similar products like pop up in in recommendations. I used to get those lists. I forget who it was. I think Jungle Scout used to send them out too. I'm not yeah, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I signed up. But yeah, it was always like, you know, you kind of get that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you see one of your products yeah, on products. one of those lists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are what are some of the things that you continue to do from a product? and marketing perspective to really stick out from the competition and and hold your place in the market? Yeah. Um, I think it's really, um, it's about doing a lot of things. It's kind of like whack-a-mole, right? Like you're just always trying to do everything and do it well, or do it incrementally better and you're never done. There's always more to do, but for us, it's the product first. So we are the only quilted weighted blanket that's made with 100% pure cotton. You know, of all the hundreds of other brands on the market, they're using polyester um, inside. Um, so that makes us the only biodegradable option. We're really big on our partnerships, um, our givebacks. We're uh, carbon neutral. We changed our partner from the um, carbonfund.org, which is you know great organization, to another one I discovered called Sea Trees. And I think you'll like this because they're surfers first, partnered with nice. scientists that are doing work on um, 
is it called Blue Ocean Project. So it's okay. discovered that by reforestation at the water's edge, kelp and mangrove forests, they can sequester five times more carbon from the environment than the rainforest. Wow. So it's pretty amazing like technology that they're using. So we partner with them. We've taken all the plastic out of our packaging. So it's, and we've got the best customer service. I mean, I mentioned my mom's <laughs> <laughs> phones, but like truly, you know, we're here to serve the customer first. We're not here to make a sale. We're here to offer something. If people want, you know, if our brand calls to them, then that's wonderful. If not, that's great too. And I think that by, you know, kind of having a clarity around what our brand is and what it stands for, and then having that in every cell of our DNA, everything we touch and do, um, there are people that resonate with that and they may not be able to tell you why, but they're there to be your customer. So um, it's just, it's just maintaining that connection to our brand in every level. Yeah. I really like the, you know, the, the marketing stuff you're, you're mentioning here. It, it sounds like your, your education in marketing has really served you well. Um, which is something like a lot of Amazon entrepreneurs, like they don't really know marketing that well because they don't really have to. I mean, nowadays it's getting to the point where you kind of do. But back in the day, like you didn't have to know top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel. You didn't have to know your niche, your avatar. Like (laughs) you didn't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, to stick out, you just needed to know like, okay, what are these people searching for? And uh, where do I put it in my listing? And, and that's about it. And you could, you could experience some success on Amazon, (laughs) but yeah, you're right. And this is something I've learned recently is like just the uh, consumer, like psychology, I guess people will call it where, you know, they're seeing things on their screen or in front of them and, and they're connecting on it, connecting to it on a level that they're not even aware of. Um, and, and it's just so powerful. Like when I kind of did it backwards, I started these businesses and then I got to the point, I was like, man, you know, it's not really working out the way I want it to. And, and I met with someone who had a marketing background they're like, well, who's your audience? You know, what's your, what's your mission? And I'm like, I I don't know, (laughs) just kind of winging it. Um, but it sounds like you really, I mean, did you have that stuff kind of lined up early on in your journey because of your educational background? Yeah, I think that um, I had a lot of exposure to marketing that I didn't appreciate at the time. And it was all there for me when I needed it. But I've also, you know, I think it's really interesting the point that you're making because there's a really big difference between tactics, which is how you execute your messaging and then what that message is. And they're two different things. And I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as marketers is create and share a story with people because that's what we connect to on an emotional level is a story. And that's what we remember and what we're going to tell our friends and family about. It's not going to be like, oh, I got this great thing pop up in my feed. I mean, yeah, sometimes we say that too, but the two I think are equally important. So we have, I would say our strong, if we had to pick between the two, I'm stronger on story and brand weaker on tactics and execution. So that's okay. our opportunity for sure. Um, cause I didn't have a technical marketing background. I worked at like, I was an, I was usually like an assistant to be honest. So I got a lot of exposure, but I was kind of in the room, but not the one executing. Okay. So I learned a lot by osmosis. Gotcha. Um, yeah. 
And so how, how long before you started your, uh, your D to C journey with launching your own website and, and, and doing your own thing uh, yeah. outside of Amazon? Um, it was a stroke of, um, I'd say luck, which is, you know, what's luck, but timing, yeah. <laughs> it was all there. It worked out well for us. So I had the website from day one, um, because we have a product insert that, takes people to our website to enter their email address to get a free gift, which is a downloadable track of singing bowl sounds, which, you know, kind of goes on brand with relaxation with the blankets. So that website was always there. We'd get a sale or two a week. And I'd always wonder like, where did this person come from? How did they even find us until, so we launched in April, 2018 in November. Um, I did hire a PR agency early on. So I think that was probably one of the best strategic moves that I'd made. Um, and I knew that because I had worked for the CEO of a tequila company, Casa Dragones Tequila, uh, which is a gorgeous brand, um, super high-end luxury product. And they were a startup. I came on their team at year two. And I think I just was in the um, Cancun airport. I saw them. They had a huge wall in the customs duty-free shop. So that brand is doing an amazing job of growing. Um, but I'm going a bit off on a tangent, but by working with Casa Dragones, I was really able to see how the CEO started that brand from zero and scaled it beautifully. And she had two PR agencies. One was specializing in the restaurant chef space. So partnerships with chefs, high-end restaurants. The other totally different was focusing on high-end fashion in the art world. So she had like a partnership with Gabriella Rosco, like these super targeted niches where they were focusing a lot of resources on PR and brand building. So I hired a PR agency, not that level. <laughs> but, um, I knew that PR was really important and that it also takes a lot of work. And I was realistic with myself with everything there is to do starting a new company. I knew I was never going to put the time in to do my own PR. So I outsourced it. So this agency brought to me a partnership with New York Magazine, The Strategist, and we ended up getting published in their gift guide as the best way to blanket to gift in 2018. We sold everything out in two days. So wow. that was the turning point that put us on the map. And at that point, we had their sort of editorial approval. We started to get a lot more press. Um, we're still with the same agency and we're getting press on a weekly basis, at least. Um, it doesn't really stop. So that's that's been incredible for us. That press is so valuable in terms of you know, making sales with customers that are doing their research, but also SEO, um, brand validation, social proof for your ads, plus just wholesale accounts too. Cause everyone's, everyone's seeing you everywhere. It's kind of like, you know, branding, you need this, the touch points, right? You need yeah. seven, seven touch points before a person can buy. So that's just something we continue to do. Nice. And, you know, I have this hunch, like, I don't know much about PR. I honestly hardly know, like, I don't even think I know what PR stands for on it. Public relations. Is that what it is? But I have this hunch that like, it's, it's something that Amazon sellers really need to start looking at to leverage. You know, the hot topic right now is external traffic. And of course we have all these people who come up with all these nifty tricks and tips and stuff to try and, you know, fabricate external traffic, which is great. I'm into that stuff, but we all know it can go away overnight. Um, PR seems like something that is truly like a long-term asset that can serve you over and over and over. Um, what type of advice would you give to someone like me who has this feeling, this hunch, 
uh, wants to look into PR agency. I mean, it sounds like prices can vary uh, a lot. Service can vary a lot. Like how do we step into that world um, and, and start to mess with it a little bit? Yeah. So I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they think that PR equals a sales channel and it doesn't, it's really a long-term investment in building your brand's reputation. So it's hard to measure directly. Um, Even I sometimes will go look at our retainer fee and try to say, is this really worth it? Is it converting into sales? And you won't be able to directly track it. So that's the first thing to know. Um, I, and there's, there's different types of PR too. So you could hire an agency that's going to get you listed on affiliate channels by that. I mean, you know, websites that are taking a commission to refer the traffic over, um, to Amazon. Um, and those are trackable and you'll see a direct ROI on that. And that's great. Um, but our PR agency, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Um, I also think it's important not to engage an agency until you're really ready. So you have to have that brand story or, you know, the photography and imagery really ready for them to magnify. They will not do the branding for you. They won't, they won't, you know, what we were just talking about a minute ago about marketing, storytelling, and all of that. A PR agency is only there to amplify the message that you've already created. And the easier you make the job for them, the more success they'll have. But if you're just like another commodity product, it's going to be very hard for them to get an editor interested in talking about you. Okay. So I think it's a good idea to have at least two or three different angles, like whatever they might be, some kind of story or different uh, product differentiator that, cause everyone's so busy. They have to be able to say it in like five words. Yeah. (laughs) Hey editor, cover this scrunchy company because they give back to the elephants or whatever the thing is, it has to be really short and digestible. That was kind of my first lesson in marketing. The the lady I worked with, she'd be like, why are you always explaining yourself? Like, like I would always like, you know, I always, I'd have a good like title or something, but then I would like go into this deep explanation. I'm like, I'm like, well, people need to know and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, they don't care. Like they don't, nobody wants to read that, that like really until, until they do like you and, and they're your audience and, you know, they actually care about what you say. And, yeah. um, you know, it all kind of started to like click for me. It's been an interesting journey getting my own brands developed. I've, I've learned a lot. Um, I think we have one product that might be good for a PR agency. We've got the story We're we're in an, in a unique niche, mm-hmm. um, I got to check it out. I need, I need to pull the trigger on that. Yeah. When you were asking about how do you find a good agency? I would say just definitely talk to other client referrals. Okay. Definitely. Cause there are so many people out there offering PR and you just, it's like SEO. It's like one of yeah. those, you, you could get, you could get misled. Yeah. I think I saw somebody like I could pay him like 79 bucks and be like, as featured on NBC, like some like sub network of NBC or something like that for like 79 bucks. (laughs) So yeah, there's all types of stuff out there, but I think your point, uh, the one thing that really hits home for me is just like making sure you have a good product. That's like worth amplifying. Cause if you have something that's not, then you're just get it's like bad press, right? Like in who knows, maybe a PR agency will take your money knowing that your product and your story sucks. And Oh, they will be more than happy. <laughs> Let's say we tried. Sorry. 
<laughs> yep. Cool. So yeah, thanks for throwing some advice out there on that. I think that'll be real helpful for people. Um, well, from an operational standpoint, like what are some things you guys use in the business? A lot of MDS people are running traction. Um, do you do anything like that? What's your project management look like? We just had our first day of traction last week. Nice. Okay, so I'm cool. Super excited to implement it. Up till now, it's been a lot of just hard work, email. Um, I don't have anything to share on that. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have you have a team of people, you got some some virtual assistants. Um, what's your team look like? Yeah, you know, as much as I hear people talking about outsourcing VAs and like really scaling these these low overhead businesses, which sounds amazing. I've never been able to do that really well. So our team is myself. I've got my sister, who's our director of operations, which is awesome. Um, Plus we have a team of six total actually. So we're all US-based marketing coordinator. There's a CMO. There's a customer service lead who is really stepping in to support more of the operations function and a brand new hired customer service rep. All right. Um, cool. So, yeah, the virtual assistants, you know, it, it sounds great, low overhead, good work, but what you don't hear is like, how many, you know, <laughs> how many people did you have to fire this year? You know, like how many, how many people have, you know, screwed up a flat file or, you know, cause they didn't really understand the language difference and what you told them to do and not to do. Like I've had so many, I've had a lot of VAs. I've only had two that have been with me, you know, more than a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's tough. Um, but yeah, it is nice when it works out <clears throat> the way we want it to. Yeah. Um, so do you guys have plans to keep growing the company? Like, uh, or do you think you're kind of at a point where these six will be able to support you for a while? Um, I think we've kind of reached our the max headcount we can sustain at the moment. Um, I think we can get we did 5 million last year. We see a little bit of growth coming for this year. Um, I think this team can get us to 10 and then we'll have to go from there. Awesome. And you guys plan on adding some verticals, offering some more products in the business to make that 10 million happen. Yeah. So my biggest, the way I see it, my biggest responsibility besides recruiting and team building is new product development. And that was my major goal for 2020. Um, I'm working on a new product, but it's the one in my stomach. So I'm having a baby (laughs) (laughs) that I would say has really kind of slowed me down this year in that sense. So I'm hoping that in 20, I'm sorry, I said the year wrong. That was my 2021 project. Um, 2022 has got to be all about new product development for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I foresee a baby weighted blanket in the future. <laughs> oh, it's going to open my eyes to a whole new world. Of yeah. <laughs> my wife, um, we have a brand that kind of falls into that niche, like for young children, but we have stuff for moms as well. But um, man, there's some great companies like this kite baby, um, kite club. Like they have like a cultish following, but they make really cool products, like out of a lot of bamboo stuff. And, um, it's comfortable, man. Like I I've put on one of their shirts before my wife got, uh, I forget what they call the, 
it's like a blanket that like zips up and it is a little bit weighted. It does have some weight to it. And the kids absolutely sleep better, um, with it. We get pretty fanatical about our sleep. Uh, we got the blackout, you know, the shades with the blackout curtains. Uh, we do the, um, the white noise for the kids at night and they have their blankets as well. Um, so yeah, we, we take that stuff pretty seriously. Uh, but yeah, I think that would fit well with, with what you've got going on. I don't know how you feel about that, but. <laughs> I, oh, I love it. Um, so we did launch kids weighted blankets earlier this year, but they're, they're only recommended for going down to, um, you know, like 50 pounds. We are okay. hesitant to get into that baby territory because I don't know what kind of safety measures we need to have in place, but kids with weighted blankets are like they're, it's a gorgeous thing. They're so sensitive and they're so responsive to them. Are they really? Yeah. So, yeah, I could, I could see that presenting some issues with real young kids. I think my, I remember my wife mentioning one of the doctors was like, you know, she said, no, don't get a weighted blanket for the baby. You know, he was like mm-hmm. six months old or something like that. Yeah. They just uh, need to be able to move it off themselves, you know, strong enough, old enough for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, that niche is, uh, is, is blowing up the self-care, the kid children's health is Mm -hmm. like taking off, you know, you got people wanting to get vitamins for their kids and stuff and, and really just taking that to the next level, which is amazing to see when I got into health, like you couldn't go into Seven Eleven and buy anything organic. Like, you know, people laughed at you. You were a weirdo, you know, like, uh, Oh my God, you actually care about what you eat. Like what's wrong with you? I feel bad for our, for my parents' generation though, where like, they just weren't taught that stuff. You know, they were kind of taught, Oh, you know, beat yourself into the ground, eat whatever's available and, you know, Mm -hmm. go to work the next day. And, And they just didn't really have the information that we do now. So it's great for me, who's someone who's personally very passionate about that stuff, uh, to see it turn that corner and to see people like you creating these businesses that help people live a better, healthier life. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see the products that come out in the future, especially after you have, have the baby. Um, it's going to be cool to see that journey unfold. Yeah, I'm excited. And, you know, I was, I was speaking, I think, you know, Kaylee Graham as well. She was saying, you know, having some time away from the business was giving her um, some clarity and and in a good way. I think that stepping away sometimes can be really helpful for work, too. So I'm optimistic about that. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely helps me think through things. It's like the work, it, the the part that I really enjoy keeps happening you know, the, the thinking, the creative problem solving, the visualization. Um, and it just gets better when I'm able to step away from that day-to-day stuff yeah. um, that's going on. Did you see that message? Uh, Kaylee uh, fell and broke her, yeah. <laughs> broke her elbow. Did you see that? I did. Kaylee, we'll have to tag her in the show notes. I yeah. I'm so sad for her. That is such a bummer. I mean, to like even hardly be able to hold your kid after it just being born and, and just, mm-hmm. ah, she's already healing from the pregnancy. And now she has to deal with that. Yeah. Um, we're sending some positive vibes your way, Kaylee. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, 
All right. So, uh, what, what's, what's, uh, other than, you know, what you're going through right now, like what's on the horizon for, for the business otherwise, any big plans? Yeah, I'm really excited about a new uh, channel we're developing right now, which is in the spa and industry. So I've been in conversations with several high-end spas about, you know, they're reopening, they're coming back from COVID. There's a ton of pent-up demand for spas. You know, it's part of the self-care and wellness. Um, same for hotels as well. And they're looking for ways to differentiate and offer their clientele something really special as they reopen. And so there's a lot of interest in adding weighted blankets to their services. Um, and we're in the process of closing a couple of deals with some really special properties. And if that can happen, um, you know, there's small volume, but it's going to be an amazing uh, opportunity for us, for people to experience our products in a really gorgeous setting and be part of coming back into, you know, the post COVID self-care, um, and I love spas in general. Yeah. So, um, I'm really, I'm really excited about this one as a new sales channel. Nice. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Getting into hotels. I imagine that would be just great for the business, you know, that they put in some pretty big orders, I imagine. And, mm -hmm. um, it's always the companies that I always see in a hotel, it always sticks with me. Um, even if I've never heard of them before, and if I don't see them again, like I always kind of remember uh, you know, the shampoo at that hotel I stayed at for some reason. Right. Right. If yeah. they chose like it as a, as a thoughtfully chosen brand and they put that in the room, that kind of means something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's cool. That's very exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, before we, uh, before we wrap up, I've got some quick questions for you. I'm going to, I'm going to pull four from, uh, my bank of questions over here and, okay. and we'll chat about these a little bit. All right. Okay. So question number one, when did you decide going the traditional route in life was not okay with you? That was going to be definitely 2017 when I felt like everything I tried was not bringing me any closer to satisfaction or happiness. And I bought my one-way ticket to Bali. Nice. And so, so what was it that you were looking for? You know, what, 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 what did satisfaction mean to you at that point? I've been looking for satisfaction and fulfillment through work and kept being disappointed. And I think the fallacy in that is that no work or career, something external from you can ever provide validation. You have to find that from within yourself. I didn't know that, but that's kind of what I ended up discovering. Yeah. It's kind of like about, um, it kind of reminds me of just like the journey being the best part, not really the destination. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I took that book with me, the hero's journey on my trip and was reading that. I felt like such a weirdo. I was like, how come I'm so discontent? Everyone around me seems satisfied. What is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but I have to continue looking for as long as I feel this way. I'll keep looking until, until, until either I die or I find the answer one or the other. And it was just the journey itself. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Just being super unsatisfied with the path I was going down with, with work and school and, you know, just, just not happy with it. I rebelled pretty hard. Um, somehow I ended up an entrepreneur, thank God. Um, <laughs> and it kind of all worked out in the end, but yeah, I can totally relate. Um, all right. Question number two. Um, 
What is the best business advice you've received? Ooh. That's a really good question. Oh, there's a lot of things that are coming to mind. I think that they're not, um, I mean, I hear them a lot and I think they're very, very true. Um, the higher, slow, fire, fast one is what's coming to me. That's yeah. most impactful in your business. And um, when I made my first hire, everyone said, oh, well, it's not going to work out. You know that it's your first hire. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm so excited. (laughs) Have you heard about my first e-commerce business? That's what you should have said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I just, I just, I was like, there's no way this is perfect. This is a match made in heaven. Um, we're going to go on forever. And, you know, within a year, definitely that didn't work out. Yeah. I learned so much through that experience about, hiring and what to look for and what's really important to me and and just how important it is to find the right person for a role that was an extremely worth it experience. Yeah. I think that's such an important one that people need to hear over and over and over again, because unless you've learned that lesson, like the really hard way, and I'm not talking about just like, Oh yeah, I had someone, they were kind of bad. Like, if you're that, I'm that type of person. Like I, I believe in people, like I want it to work out. I give them extra chances and I almost always end up screwing myself over in the end, but I still have that little voice inside of me. Give them a chance. Come on, man. And, uh, you know, uh, someone in your organization, you know, maybe you're struggling and you really need help. So you hire quickly because you have that kind of, you made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and man, having those like B and C player, those B players are even worse. Cause like, like, Oh, well, they're kind of good enough. And, you know, you don't want to hire someone else. So you kind of just keep dealing with it, but you really don't experience that growth that you could if you had that a plus player, uh, on your team. Right. Yeah. I've heard that recently. I think it was in Puerto Vallarta. Someone was saying that the B players are the most dangerous hires because you'll keep them around forever. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I, I mean, I think that fire fast is as equally important as the higher slow. I mean, really, you're doing your whole team a favor and yourself and that person, really. Yeah. I think that's a huge point. Uh, you're spot on. You're not doing anybody a favor by by dealing with that situation, even the other person. It's miserable Um, to show up to work knowing you're not doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's affecting that person somehow, Mm -hmm. some way. Um, Man, it just reminds me, I actually, I did this, I made this mistake again. I tried to hire someone. They actually, but see, they earned, they interned with me for a little bit and I thought things were going to get better. And it was actually a good friend of mine, someone I've known for 20 years. And like two weeks in, I was like, bro, this is not working out. You got to go, you know? And like, I've got three kids now. I've got other employees dependent on me. Like, you know, and I've learned that lesson the hard way. Um, So yeah, about two weeks in, I was like, man, it's not going to work out. And I think that's awesome that you were really straightforward about it. I think it's important to be honest, not mean, but honest, because yeah. it's a learning opportunity for that person too to take with them on their career. Um, so I think of it as 
doing them um, a favor, not a favor, but a constructive, like they can leave that job better than when they came. Yeah. Feedback. If they're the kind of person that takes it in. Yeah. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next up. Let's see here. What is one habit you are working on right now? <sighs> There's so many. <laughs> to be honest, you know, the biggest habit I'm working on right now is cleaning up my diet. So okay. out processed foods, replacing them with whole vegetables and fruits um, and seeing what a difference that makes in my well-being and my energy. Um, and I kind of had to just because of the pregnancy and some stuff that I was noticing. Um, and it's very simple. And I always thought I had a good diet, but when you really get called to it, you realize, oh, I didn't have that great of a diet. Um, so just the inputs, improving the quality of the inputs. Um, besides that, it's, um, it's, it's, I'm really excited about implementing traction, um, holding myself accountable. Uh, it's easy sometimes when you're the boss to, to, there's no one to hold you to account. Yeah. <laughs> you're always working hard. You're not being lazy or slacking off, but like, who's going to come back and say, did you do that thing that you promised you would do? That's really important. Yeah. So I'm excited to put these structures in place in the business. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. Those are uh, two things I'm always constantly working on. Um, diet is so tough, man. Like even, uh, there's just so many factors that like go into our decision-making with diet and so many things like we don't even realize are, are happening when, you know, you're driving down the road and you see that billboard with, you know, something tasty on it and your brain catches it. And now you've got to fight this temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're already having a bad day, then you might just say, Hey, F it, I'm going to go get that burger or whatever it is. Um, and then you have to deal with the guilt afterwards. It's just right. like that cycle. Low energy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy. And, and, and I think it, I think the similar, I think what's going on in your brain with like the diet and the work thing is kind of the same. It's like, you'll jump to tasks that you enjoy doing and, and yeah, not go too like deep. Yeah. Tasks. Totally. Yeah. You get the dopamine rush. You're like, Oh, I did that. I did that. I did that. But they're not yep. things that matter. Yep. Not the yeah. stuff that you you need to be getting done. Yeah. I think that's where traction really shines is, is because they don't necessarily say, Hey, you need to be doing that stuff. They'll say, Hey, is this within your scope of responsibility? Is this your area of expertise? And no, okay. You know, then you need to find someone else to do this stuff who enjoys doing that. Um, harder said than done, but you know, it is possible. It just takes a little bit of legwork and it's great when you put someone in a seat that can fulfill a role you've been kind of doing just okay at, and they can come in and really knock it out of the park. It's so funny when I look back, because when I started this company, I didn't want to hire a single employee because I felt so strongly that I didn't enjoy being an employee. And I was so happy to finally be an entrepreneur. And I was like, I'm only going to hire freelancers or people who are independent, uh, you know, also entrepreneurs that see a path for themselves within my business and we can run side by side together. And now that I have a few people working with me that are, you know, employed and they're committed to the organization. It's like the best thing that I ever 
could have done. And I wish I'd done it. So like from the day one, you know, it's amazing. It's life-changing. It's the best. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's tough to put it into words, how great it is. I, I've had some experiences like that. And I've also had a pretty good experience at this co-working place that I've been in uh, the other day when I had to let go of, of an employee. I, I got up, I walked like four doors down and I talked to a guy who he hires people. And I was like, Carlos, I need somebody ASAP. And like, yeah. Just, yeah, just the feeling of like getting up out of my chair, walking over there and just like having someone there. Uh, and I know they're good at what they do because you're not really going to afford a place in here. If you're just kind of, you know, if you're new and struggling, so he's going to run your search for you for a new hire. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I could, I could go one of two ways. I can just pay an hourly rate to him and then he manages everything. Like it's his employee that's Mm -hmm. working for me, or I could just buy him out for a larger amount up front. But I just think it's a cool way to to work uh, when you're hiring someone because it's easier to just say, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you. And, you know, if it works out, then it makes sense to buy them out and, and bring them on to my organization. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, and he's got people on it. He's checking in with me and, you know, it, it's been great. It's 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 been a cool experience. So it's great to be able to surround yourself uh, by people who kind of feel like they're on your team a little bit. Yeah, that's great. We're working with our first recruiter as well right now to fill a role for supply chain. Um, it's been really nice, you know, super good because yeah, posting ads, filtering candidates, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first started out, I wanted to do everything on my own too, but it's because I like, I I honestly thought I could do it. I honestly thought I could do everything. And if there were like 45 of you, (laughs) (laughs) I saw a commercial the other day. It was a lady in an executive office at a big executive table. And it was just a bunch of different versions of herself at the table. (laughs) I was like, that feels like my life for the past four years. And you can do it for a minute, but you start to burn out. Right. And then you're like, oh, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you've got kids and, you know, family responsibilities, like it just adds up and just weighs you down. And, mm-hmm. you know, then you become an irritable person because you're just trying to do too much, you know, and I've been through that before and, and then it's just not good for anyone. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I got over that feeling of trying to do everything myself, even though I still catch myself occasionally. And I don't think that'll ever go away, but at least I'm aware of it now. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. All right. Um, final question here. Um, what, what are some of your hobbies? Travel is my biggest hobby. Um, I went down to Mexico in September of 2020. What year is it now? 2020 last year. So sort of like at the end of the COVID quarantine exhaustion. Um, so yeah, I've got a passport that I need to get renewed because I'm almost out of pages. And so that's a big one. Um, yoga. I love yoga. I, I'm a little bit of a lapsed yoga at yogi at this point. I've been out of practice. Yeah. Um, I love trying new restaurants. I love eating out. That was, I think those are some of my hobbies. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I can definitely relate to a lot of that. I, I, um, 
don't do yoga as much as I used to. I don't, I don't do it too often anymore, but I used to go to a yoga studio, um, a few years ago. Gosh, I guess that was like nine years ago or something. It, it was great. Like I loved, and I think that's what really led me into meditation was, uh, <clears throat> yoga, just the feeling of being, so calm, but energized at the same time. I don't know if that's the best way to explain it, but you know, to me, that's how it felt. I felt calm, focused, but like, wow, like I could get up and go do anything. Yeah. Um, and, and I chased that feeling for a while. Um, and that led me to like to meditation and, and some other things, but yeah, I love doing that type of stuff. It feels so good. What is your meditation practice like now? Right now I just do my bare minimum is 10 minutes a day. And I've just been going with headspace because it keeps it real simple for me. Like with everything going on, I know I can just turn on headspace and take 10 minutes to do it. And I've been doing that for a while. I've got like, you know, I think I've logged like over 3000 minutes or something on headspace. And I got to the point where they bring you to the expert one and it's literally just nothing. <laughs> like no audio, no audio, no guidance, like just nothing. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like I don't need headspace for this one anymore, <laughs> but you know what I've gotten into and oh my God, it's been mind blowing is the binaural beats, the music. Oh, yes. I listen to those sometimes on my computer when I'm working too on YouTube. Yes. It yeah. works almost immediately. I've always noticed that I, I think a lot of people are like this, but like, and I, I think a lot of, if there's some men that are uh, parents, uh, if fathers listening to this, they'll relate, but like Disney movies that like would make me tear up or something like that. Like I hardly cry about anything. My wife thinks I'm like, heartless sometimes, but, uh, you know, these like Moana, like when they start like beating on the drums and they're out on the ocean and like, I already have this weird connection with the ocean and like mm -hmm. the music and I start tearing up and my wife will be like, why are you crying? Is it about the kids? And I'm like, no, the ocean, I, I love the ocean so much. Like, but <laughs> just these, but all the movies, like even the kids stuff as well. Like it's always something with the, the music, music involved. Right. Um, and I feel it, man. I feel it quick. And I'm noticing the same thing with these, uh, with this music. I did it on Spotify. You know, they have some playlists. Now I'm using brain.fm uh, because that's like their thing. Like, hey, we, you know, music for productivity, music for focus, music for oh. sleep. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. And, and I am blown away at, at the results. It's like that instant focus mode. Like I really do feel it. It's, it's pretty crazy. Cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. 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 Check it out. Um, you got any big travel plans coming up? Um, no, I'm pretty much just between Texas and Mexico at this point. So okay. no big, no big plans. Um, I've missed New York incredibly, especially since they're opening back up again now, but, um, maybe like in the year I'll get to go back and visit yeah. my old, my old homies and my okay. old hood. <laughs> I love Mexico. Uh, I, my first time in Mexico was Puerto Escondido and down in Oaxaca for a surf trip. Have you made it down to Puerto Escondido? I have been there. I was in 2000. Oh, I don't know what year it was. Maybe 10 years ago. I took a trip, um, 
2008. So I got laid off and I decided to travel and I did a fundraising. So my cousin and I went down to Honduras to do like this women's aid project. Then they had a coup and then we had to leave after like two weeks. And I was like, but I want to travel and learn Spanish. So I went to Puerto Escondido, which I thought was this like sleepy hidden town. It turned out they were having the MTV surf competitions that weekend. Yeah. Like this is not a sleepy town. <laughs> um, so that was my one time down there. Was it at Zicatella, the competition, Playa Zicatella? Where the, that like, the, sounds familiar. Yeah. Like huge waves. Huge waves. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It can get, it can get like 20, 30 foot there. It gets real yeah. big. That's yeah, cool. So there's a segue into an e-commerce story. So there, Oaxaca, you're just mentioning Oaxaca, right? There's yeah. Like, the spot for like gorgeous crafts, weaving, rugs, textiles, everything coming out of Mexico is Oaxaca. So I really do want to get down there. But I, I'm furnishing this apartment in Tulum and I couldn't find good stuff there. So I found a weaver online um, in Oaxaca and she shipped me some rugs. I'm like, I love these rugs. They're so beautiful. I took orders from my friends. Now I'm like the rug lady. I'm bringing them back to the States. <laughs> Anyway, like a week later, I discovered that one of my favorite e-commerce stores, which is the citizenry, I've been obsessed with them since like I first had the idea to be in e-commerce um, a long time ago, um, is selling the same rugs from the same weaving shop for like wow. four times the price. Wow. So I'm like, uh-huh, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But you just, you just, I mean, I don't know how people have like more than one or two, more than one business, honestly. It's like all I can manage. Um, yeah. You, do, you see all these opportunities and you're like, I want to do this and do that. But for now, I'll just have to focus on my, my true love, which is weighted blankets. Yeah. Keep focusing. Cause I've, <laughs> I've, I've done the mul- I'm doing the multiple business thing and it's uh, you've got a kid on the way too. like, yeah. just keep, keep focusing and, and things will just keep getting better in my opinion, instead of trying to do a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Elizabeth, this has been great. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, where can people learn more about your blankets or reach out to you if they want, if they want, you know, chat with you a little bit or get a blanket? Yes. Our website is balooliving.com. It's spelled B like boy, A-L-O-O living. Um, that's our Instagram as well. And probably the best way to find me is just by contacting our customer service, uh, care at balooliving.com. We're such a small team. I'll always get the message. Um, or on LinkedIn, Elizabeth Grojean is my name. And we're also in the Canada and the UK. I forgot to mention. So awesome. National shipping as well. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Elizabeth. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.